Hello, and welcome back to How To Be Happy, a podcast where we explore all the ways that we can live a happier life. Each week, we're talking to happiness experts, celebrities, and ordinary people to uncover their secrets to living a good life. My name is Kate DeBrito. I'm your host and guide on this journey into happiness. Let's begin. Dr. Kieran Kennedy is a doctor specializing in psychiatry with degrees in psychology, physiology, and medicine surgery. He's always had a passion for men's health that's led him to become a leading spokesperson on men's issues with a focus on health and fitness. Although he has these traditional medical credentials, he's a very passionate advocate of do-it-yourself well-being and its effect on the mind and body. He writes for magazines like Men's Health, and he's just written a book called The Manual with former Men's Health editor Scott Henderson. They've written this book because they say, despite a lot of men appearing to have it all together, a lot of them are quite lost when it comes to looking after their health and happiness. Kieran explains what they can do. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be here. Well, look, for people who don't know you, you're a doctor, but you're also a bit of a a health guru around sort of mental, physical health, including diet and exercise. Is one more important than the other when it comes to, is physical health more important than mental health or mental more important than physical health? Uh, even before medical school, I've um, always been a proponent, Kate, of the fact that I don't think one side of that is more important than the other. Um, and as you say, I've gone through medical school, done training, worked in areas of the physical body, whether that's been general surgery or in the emergency department or lungs and heart. And now my specialization and work is as a psychiatrist. Um, and I think what I especially see now as a psychiatrist is that for our mental health, we cannot separate that from what's going on with our body and our physical health and vice versa. Um, so what's happening with our mind and mental health just has such an sort of an intimate but powerful interplay in terms of what's happening with our physical health as well. So, uh, yeah, it might be a little bit of a cop-out answer, but <laughs> for me, I think there's there's no choice there because I think they are both equally important and to have either of them, we need to have both of them, if that makes sense. You've A lot of your focus in, in recent years, certainly in your writing and your speaking, has been around men's health. You obviously have dealt with women as well in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the past or, or still do. What do you think the biggest differences are between men and women when it comes to their health and well-being? Look, I think one of the biggest differences that I talk about and that sort of Scott and I talk about in the book are some of the pressures and influences on a societal and cultural level that affect men and women when it comes to their health. And so one of the big things for men, I think, that has been there affecting our physical and mental health for a long time has been the pressure around how we look at our health, how we look at when that health is in not so much of a good place, and that's physically and mentally. And so I think for men and women, one of the big differences has been that for a long time men have been kind of told and taught in an explicit and an implicit way that it's not okay 
to, to talk about struggling or it's not okay to reach out for help if you know something's wrong mentally or physically. And we've seen that trickling through in some of the statistics, particularly now in terms of men's mental health and suicide rates. Um, and so I think for a long time that's been one of the big things that it's been really a taboo issue. Um, and if we're talking about hospitality, uh, a taboo issue for men to you know, open up things and talk about and get help um, that's absolutely not saying Kate that it's an easy thing to do for women either we all should be showing that vulnerability and asking for help but for men the traditional scaffolds of masculinity around needing to suck it up their weakness not about feelings and mental health and I think that's been a big difference and a bit of a divide there for a long time between women when it comes to health outcomes big question but what do you think the biggest issues facing men at the moment are in, t- in terms of their their mental health yeah i think as you say it's a big question and there are a number of things but i think one of the big sort of pressure cooker points facing men in terms of their mental health at the moment is sort of adjusting to a lot of the different social pressures and changes that are sort of moving through the world at the moment. I think there's been a lot of reckonings in recent years. There's been pressures on identity, career, finances, everything else with the pandemic. We've had the Me Too movement, which is obviously so positive and necessary. But, you know, I think for a lot of men, there are influences now which are really kind of impacting how men see themselves and how younger men I think are stepping into understanding being a man and what it means to have masculinity Mm. and that's a very positive powerful thing because I think we've needed to change sort of constructs of masculinity for a long time but it's also potentially overwhelming and confusing one of the things that I notice and you know I've got a I've got a few years on you Kieran but I remember when you know, I was in my 20s and there were very few blokes who would go out and really work out at the gym and worried about their bodies. There was always a few, right? They were the kind of muscle guys. But most guys were just, I guess you would sort of say they had normal bodies, they didn't really work at it, some were athletic, some were not. But it, it, it feels like men have really followed women in that sort of um, self-image, um, body image area. And it, it makes me sad, really, because it, it was difficult enough for women. And now that men also feel those same sort of pressures, is that one of the things that you notice in your practice that men really worry about? Absolutely. You know, and I think there's been a lot of stigma and silence around that for a long time, that body image and eating related issues don't affect men or haven't in the past but yeah you're so right Kat I think where society is at at the moment is a place where there is just as much probably in a very different way but there there is a lot of pressure on men now in terms of how their body looks um, and what it means to have an attractive body for example and definitely in clinical practice we're seeing a lot more young men present with concern and anxiety around their physical appearance how muscular they are how lean they are how attractive they Mm. are Um, and it's been really interesting in the book we talk about some research showing how media uh, has changed in terms of its portrayal of men in the last few decades and even things like G.I. Joe 
and toys for young boys. It's changed from that very sort of, you know, typical male body to now having proportions that are actually impossible for any male to achieve. That's translating into a lot of anxiety for men, particularly young men. Um, We're seeing a real increase in things like body dysmorphia for men, eating disorders among men. Um, And that is one of the hotspots for men's mental health at the moment. That's really sort of coming through. You're exactly right. Well, I I noticed you had a um, a section in in the book, in the manual, about um, six packs, just trying to tell guys... A six-pack is not all it's cracked up to be. Like, why do you need a six-pack? Like, what's its use? Um, And I thought that was really great that you had that sort of section about, you know, your body, it's more than the way it looks. It's like, what are you training for? Like, are you training for a marathon? Sure, do this sort of exercise. Are you training for a a different kind kind of endurance um, event? Then do a different sort of exercise. But know what you're doing it for. Absolutely. And obviously for women as well for many more years and and in a lot bigger way in some ways. But this idea that our body is just this aesthetic vessel, you know, the body is all about how it looks and how much it weighs. And for men, how muscular it is and big it is and strong it is. And so in the book, we talk about changing that relationship with your body by looking at how it serves you in other ways, what it can do, how it feels, um, how it impacts other areas of your health, like your mental health and your sleep. So yeah, it's it's a really important point that I think men are thinking about, but we're not talking about so much because it hasn't really been okay for men for a long time to talk about concerns or anxieties around how their body looks and feels. Mm. Do you think women play a part in it? Is it all in men's minds? I mean, obviously brought on by, you know, different changing, um, you know, things in the media and the way people look on television. But do women feel that as well? Do, are women asking for something more from men, for better bodies, for more six-packs, eight-packs? Look, I I think obviously there's always an interplay between sort of how men are affecting, obviously, women's sense of pressure when it comes to body and body image and vice versa. Um, So I think when we're talking about some of these pressures and anxieties that men are feeling, it is really important that women sort of are aware of them as well. Because I think for a long time, there's been this sense from women as well as men themselves that these just aren't things that men worry about Mm. or think about or need to worry about Mm. um, when actually we now know that that's not the case. And so I think women sort of realising and understanding that, especially for younger men, um, that there is actually a lot of pressure and potential trauma and anxiety around body image pressures is really important, yeah, because some of how we talk about and look at men's bodies needs to come from both sides of the coin for sure just as it needs to come from both sides of the coin and from men when we're sort of helping women um sort of move through and away from those societal pressures too you're an interesting doctor kieran because you you maybe you're a modern doctor you you you, because while you have all these um you know traditional qualifications you seem to put a lot of um uh, you know, you, you you pay a lot of attention to very basic things like um, wellness, what you eat, 
and 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 exercise and movement and and that's what's so great about the manual it really is the manual it's a guide for men about how to look after their um health and well-being um it feels that that's sort of almost something that traditional medicine sort of has been a while catching up to that whole idea of people used to the mind-body connection feels like something new whereas it seems really obvious doesn't it that the mind and the body are going to be connected they're housed in the same vessel absolutely you know and it's so fascinating that sort of medicine back many many years ago even going back hundreds of years ago there was actually much more of an understanding and a push of different parts of the body and the mind and the body influencing each other and being Mm. one system and then i think as medicine sort of modernized and became more siloed in terms of well this is a surgeon's domain this is a psychiatrist's domain this is a gastroenterologist Mm. domain we sort of separated the body and health out and i think for a long time we sort of lost some of that understanding and importance around the fact that the mind influences the body and vice versa Um, and i think science is also just really catching up now in terms of some of those things as well it's just absolutely fascinating to me and we'll show how much of a geek i am for this stuff but you know research now showing that someone's outlook and emotions after surgery literally affects how quickly and well their body stitches a surgical wound together after an operation oh i i I agree i geek out on that stuff too i i read a great book which talked all about there's just there there literally are thousands and thousands of experiments Mm -hmm. as you'd know about the placebo effect in many different ways and because there are so so there is placebo needs to be part of most research so placebo is actually well researched right and how people's expectations of recovery can influence how well they recover absolutely you know and i think for modern men's health that's what we've really wanted to sort of push and and show with the manual as well it's this idea that it's it's not about health being broken into this part that's above your shoulders and below your shoulders Mm. it's about leaning into the fact that if you spend some time looking after your mind then that's actually going to benefit your fitness and your physical health as well Mm. and vice versa you know going to the gym isn't just about a six-pack as Mm. you say okay it's it's about also knowing that if you go to the gym your sleep is going to be sounder and more restorative Mm. your mood is going to be more protected from depression in the future your anxiety levels are going to reduce clinically to the point where research now shows that if someone is exercising regularly, that can be just as effective for mild depression as an antidepressant medication mm. is. Mm. It's the same with, with food too, right? And I know you're careful in the book to sort of state that, you know, there's not actually any um, conclusive proof that one vitamin perhaps can help mm. in, in a mental condition. But at the same time, there's a lot of research about um, deficiencies in certain yes. vitamins, minerals, and nutrients can affect your mental health. That seems pretty obvious too, doesn't it? You're lacking in something that your body needs to have. Why would it yeah. not affect your emotional stability as well as potentially, you know, your ability to, to, you know, not bruise or something like that? You know, it's about understanding that if someone's struggling mentally, we need to be looking at and checking and screening what's going on in their body as well uh, and vice versa. And so for me, I think it's actually a really empowering thing, particularly for men, to know that 
what's happening in our body and what we're putting into our body in the case of food and diet has real potential to impact what's going on up here as well when it comes to mood and sleep and anxiety. Um, one of the things I love talking to men about in clinic and also writing about in the book is the fact that there's a much stronger viewpoint now that we have some say in what's happening with our mental health. Mm. I think for a long time, depression, anxiety, even conditions such as schizophrenia or psychosis, these were viewed as things that just happened. Mm. You know, some people had mental illness and some people didn't. It's very disempowering, Um, isn't it? Very disempowering, yeah. So for me, it's a real pleasure and a positive to think, well, if I do small things each day, Mm. even things that are, you know, traditionally I think might just be for my body, Mm. that is actually benefiting and helping my mental health as well. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways men have been much more geared around practical, straightforward kind Mm. of solves and measures when it comes to our mental health. Well, I know that there's a lot of um, information coming out now talking about the um, general Western diet and I guess people tend Mm. to talk about the American, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the American diet that's sort of very high in in processed foods that they're only starting to realize the effect that eating that sort of food which is I guess very you know low lacking in nutrients and high in a lot of um, processed chemicals and that sort of thing is having on people's mental health is that something you would talk to someone about in clinic when they come to you and they say I have, you know, feelings of depression or I have feelings of anxiety. Will you dig into what do you eat every day? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's it's sort of a bit of a case-by-case basis. And, you know, obviously as a psychiatrist, my expertise is not to the level of a dietitian or a nutritionist. Nutritionist, sorry, I won't try and claim that. But, yeah, it is really important, you know, talking about eating regularly, having a balanced diet, uh, a nutritious diet, that is always an important thing to check in on and talk to patients about because that has a very real-world impact on what's happening with mood, sleep, anxiety, and everything else. And again, I've just found that those type of discussions and and practical takeaways can be very empowering for patients. Mm. It can be empowering for people to know that some of those more basic daily step-by-step choices we're making in our lives can actually flow through and affect our mental health as well. Do you ever get resistance though to that? I know just as a a parent, you know, when you've got teenage kids and they've got things going on in their life and you know I will tend to ask them to fall back on some of those basics first. You know, have you're feeling really bad this week, but you also haven't slept a lot this week. You've also not been eating very well. I, I, I mean, that's when you're getting advice from your mum. So it's, it's never really anything they want to hear. But I guess the issue is not to try to minimise the emotional pain that someone's Absolutely. feeling by saying, oh, if you just ate better. But on the other hand, these things are really very important and can make a massive difference. It's always striking a balance. And as we say in the book as well, it's absolutely not to say that if someone is struggling, if they're struggling with mental illness or their emotions, that, you know, just getting 20 minutes more sleep and eating a few more salads each day is going to cure things. Um, And absolutely, I think it's also about normalizing the fact that 
all of us have periods where we feel anxious or emotional, overwhelmed, distressed, and looking at what's happening in our lives with stress, sleep, diet, Mm. exercise, those things are really, really important. Um, And so it's kind of around finding the sweet spot between some of the ways that mental health has been, I think, over-medicalized and medication and things have maybe been pushed and prioritized for a long time. Mm. And those those medical um, options which work for, you know, so many people, that would have been fine if they'd worked for everyone, right? But they just, they don't. That's the That's the truth, right? Yeah, for some people, those those things don't work, or they take some real trial and error and time to find mm. the right treatment. Uh, and so, you know, for me, and I'd like to think all psychiatrists in this day and age, mental health and mental illness is really this this beautiful melting pot of mind and body, where we're looking at everything from diet and exercise and how much sun you're getting in the morning to you know medications therapy and the older um you know psychiatrists who you might meet with at conferences do they look at you like do they roll their eyes and do with all of this sort of health and wellness sort of stuff potentially slash probably Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's to say I think that medicine in general is kind of really moving to this place where we're seeing the relationship between life and health Mm. you know and so I think whether it's surgery or you know general practice or cardiology it's sort of understanding now that medicine isn't some god that that can just use medications or surgeries um to kind of remove people and their health from their lives. It's about looking at health as part of life. And again, it's not to minimize what people are going through and say that a change of lifestyle is going to fix everything. Absolutely not. But for me, whether you're a physical health doctor or a mental health doctor, it's about making it feel, I think, like an empowering thing for people to know that they can action even some tiny change Mm -hmm. in influence through what's happening in our lives and our day-to-day. What are three things practically that people could do or men in particular could do right now that would have a real impact on their mental and physical health? One of the big things is sleep. You know, I really find the sleep research in medicine that's coming out fascinating. Mm. Um, And the impact that sleep has, particularly on our mental health, is just huge. So looking after sleep is one of the major things that I ask patients about and talk to them about. Um, And even if you can't get more sleep, a real little key tip here can be to consolidate your rhythm with sleep Mm. so going to bed at around the same time and waking up at around the same time each day if we're doing that consistently we know that we sleep deeper that we sleep in a more restorative way and that we can have benefits to the quality of our sleep even if we can't get more quantity sleep why do people uh, people sort of um, you know shrug off sleep so much why do they think it's not important Uh, I think for a long time we've actually been made to feel like we should battle against sleep Mm. from society you know I think there's been this sense of do more you know drink more coffee um you know squeeze more into the day and get sleep when you can Mm. you know And, and so I think for a long time sleep has kind of fallen as one of the lower priorities in terms of things we should be doing during our day um 
Whereas now we're sort of seeing that sleep probably needs to be towards the top of the pyramid mm. in terms of things that we're doing. You know, someone can be taking all the vitamin powders or tablets in the world, but if they're not sleeping well or getting three hours sleep a night, that's really going to have a powerful impact on their health. So, What are the other two things that people could do? One of the other things would be sort of opening up about what we're worried about when it comes to our health. And that's been sort of a really fascinating and at points alarming thing when sort of looking into the research around this for the book as well, is just how many men hide away Mm -hmm. from showing and acknowledging even to themselves that they're struggling and they need help. And that can be from everything towards a strange lump that we don't know what it is. It can be bleeding in a part of the body that we're worried about. Uh, And then it's obviously mental health struggles as well. Um, So I think a major tip would be to talk about some of the worries that are on your mind. And we know, you know, Freud was the one that talked about catharsis way back in the day and that just talking to someone, whether it's a partner, friend, family member, about what's going on in your life and what you're concerned about, that can immeasurably help. Is there is there a one person who you find more than others that is, is a suitable person for a guy to speak to, that guy who is struggling with all sorts of things but doesn't tend to... Um, open up to people do you find that in the end it it tends to be a partner or it tends to be is it a mate in the end who's the best the best helper for guys yeah I mean it's it's sort of a mixture and it depends on the person obviously but yeah I think especially these days a lot more men are talking to their mates about these things and about struggles and you know it might be a very brief chat uh it might be to start with a little bit of a surface chat but yeah i find that opening up to friends or a mate for men can be that real first step or that first opening Mm. um and i think it's about us men knowing that that's okay Mm. and that that's important on both sides Mm. it's okay to talk and it's okay to ask Um, and a tip that i talk to for men here is, is sort of something called a diffuser Uh, and research now being present to show that if men open up conversations about difficult subjects like their emotions and mental health while they're doing something physical or practical at the same time, like driving, Mm. walking, going for a jog together, that actually helps men open up in that scenario. All right. And what's the third? The third for me, and, you know, I think this is as much of what I see in medicine and research as I see for myself personally, but, you know, just that mind-body connection with physical movement as well. Um, So it's some form of movement or exercise each day if we can manage it and knowing that that has just a hugely powerful flow-on effect in terms of what's happening to our mental health. Um, I first started working out in the gym and things during medical school and for me, what kept me going back was the impact I noticed on my stress levels, my sleep, my anxiety. Um, and so it doesn't have to be bodybuilding or going to the gym. It can be as simple as a walk each day or a swim at the beach. Um, low level, regular physical activity, no matter how old we are, um, can have a really powerful effect on what's happening with our mental health. Kieran, you did do bodybuilding, didn't you? Do you, are you, do you still do bodybuilding? Was that a professional thing or was it amateur bodybuilding? 
Uh, definitely amateur. Never got quite to the stage where I could chuck in my other work and live off being a bodybuilder. Um, but yeah, for sort of a period of four or five years, I sort of regular did, regularly did um, competitive bodybuilding shows here and overseas um, and just really fell in love with the whole process of it. Mm. Um, sort of the making a plan, working through the necessaries, reaching that end goal. Um, but I think, you know, that's one of the paths to my story that sort of led to what I'm doing now in terms of talking about physical and mental health together mm. um, and, and talking to men about their health as well. You know, it was incredible during those bodybuilding years how many times someone would come up to me in the gym or at a competition even and sort of say, oh, I, I hear you're like a psych doctor or I hear you're a doctor. You know, do you think when X, Y, Z happens, that might be anxiety? Mm. Um, and that's when I really started to become interested in men's mental health in mm. particular and seeing this interplay between the physical and the mental. Mm. So talk me through your daily routine. Can you take us into 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 what you do personally? When you what do you eat? What do you exercise? What's what's your sort of general habits? I think it's important for all of us to to know that life is life and things can change on a weekly basis and a daily basis. For me they definitely do. Um, each week is often filled with a slight hurricane mix of <laughs> medicine, um, writing, media work. Uh, but for me, there are basic sort of pillars to my day. One of those pillars to my day is even a brief period of time for some mental work, just taking a bit of a mental breath, uh, my partner and I call it. And it's uh, that might be gratitude in terms of jotting down some gratitude points, setting some intentions for the day ahead in the morning, um, and trying to get some mindfulness or meditation in there as well. Um, I'm absolutely not perfect there, and there are periods where I'm doing it great every day, and then periods where life kind of takes over a bit and it gets lost for a little while. But something to take a bit of a mental breath and reflect each day is really important for me. Um, I try and include some form of physical activity and that's usually the gym every day, even if it's a quick workout. For me, that's a really important component. Uh, and then, yeah, as you say, depending on how many treat meals or <laughs> <laughs> popcorn trips to the movies we're looking at per week, um, diet is something that I also just really try to look at with my day as well. So I have a pretty sort of balanced um whole food based diet as well sort of lots of vegetables lean meats um, rice grains and you know those things for me are just a pillar to each day and and mean usually I can hopefully charge on through uh, the rest of what's sort of coming at me during the day whether it's patience or writing or whatnot. well it sounds like you're a pretty healthy guy is there one non-negotiable health principle which one sort of stands out for you for me it has been for a long time physical activity um you know and as you say i have moved through the bodybuilding traps i have done some fitness modeling at points in my life but you know that has all only come from the fact that for me working out and going to the gym and exercising just has a profound impact on sort of keeping me grounded when it comes to my sleep, my mood, my general overall health. And so for me, that's a non-negotiable across the week is making some time for exercise and, and for the gym. Are you positive about 
the way that men are starting to go in terms of their health and wellness, their level of awareness, is it building? I definitely think it is, you know, and it's just incredible to me to see particularly the younger generations of men just being so much more knowledgeable and open and on the ball when it comes to talking about and thinking about mental health and emotions. Um, You know, the way that younger men now are opening up about struggling mentally, um, opening up about sexuality, about gender, you know, these really important factors in our lives when it comes to mental health in particular, you know, that to me shows that things are shifting. Mm -hmm. We've still got a long way to go. There are still stigmas and pressures that do keep men silent and and, um, things on these issues. But, yeah, I think in general masculinity and manhood is starting to open up to allow men to sort of step into these things more. Well, you you, you touched on in, in the beginning the, the sort of fact that society is changing around um, what's expected of men and you talked about mm. Me Too and, and although, you know, that's a very positive thing for women and for society generally, it's probably led to some um, confusion and to some... Um, uh, maybe fear for, from men. I know sort of issues around consent and all of those mm-hmm. things can be difficult. Do men talk to you about those sorts of things? Do they say that, um, I mean, you'd like to think that an issue of consent isn't confusing, but do they talk to you about those issues around women, I guess I'm, I'm getting at, about they're not sure where they stand anymore? Is that one of their sort of principal emotional issues? Yeah, I, I mean, I think as we said before sort of recent years there's been a bit of a reckoning in a way when it comes to manhood and masculinity and some of the behaviors and things that that men and masculinity as a whole have been involved in that sort of have done real harm to women in society and obviously still are Mm. unfortunately and i think that definitely has added a sense of sort of pressure and in its own way confusion for men as well in terms of well where do i stand with masculinity now how do i still be a man but also obviously in a positive sense step away Mm. from these things that might be harming um sort of masculinity women and society at large and so i think one of the things we talk about in the book is the fact that in some ways this new era of masculinity is a positive thing because it's a bit of a rewrite and very much a necessary rewrite but that can be confusing for men as well Mm. to know how to be and stand you know traditional masculinity was very very narrow and it was very clear in a lot of ways about what you should do and be and how you should talk to be that traditional man and so I think now sometimes there can be a sense of overwhelm or confusion in terms of well how do I balance some of these things and who am I supposed to be now Um, well I mean we we always make lots of jokes about women doing the housework and and um and men sort of you know putting their feet up while that happens but the truth is that those traditional roles have also um, meant that men couldn't be involved in things that they wanted to be involved in. And it's obviously changed a lot in the last 10 to 15 years that yes. men, for example, who wanted to stay home and be a carer while their wife had a, a bigger job, that was really hard for men until maybe recently, maybe it still is. Is that an issue for men you that, that come across that they are trying to confront those traditional gender stereotypes themselves so that they can enjoy their lives more? 
100%, you know, and I think there's, there still is a sense of pressure around what you should be doing, how you should be acting, what your career should be like, just as tiny examples, when it comes to being a man. Um, and as I said, it's a beautiful thing, I think, that manhood is almost being rewritten as we speak. And there's so much of a broader, more vulnerable, inclusive sense of masculinity now. But absolutely, I think sort of knowing where men fit now um, is something that a lot of men are moving through as well. Um, and so even if it's a positive, it can be sort of a pressure point for mental health at times because, you know, I talk about the fact that even positive change is still change and that can be stressful inherently in itself. Mm. So absolutely, it's, it's sort of acknowledging that it is a time where manhood's changing and for a lot of men, even if it's a positive thing, it can still be quite confusing and overwhelming at points. Well, Karen, I, I, I want to congratulate you not only on the book, which is which is wonderful, you and, and your co-author, Scott, have done a great job, but also on um, leading the charge around men Thank and you. their um, well-being and mental health. You're doing a great service to not just the men you obviously help, but to society, as I said, in helping um, remould their concept of themselves and, I guess, make society a sort of, you know, a happier place. So, Congratulations. It's been great talking you to so you. Um, and best of luck with the book. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Kate. It's been lovely talking to you too and just very humbling to be able to chat about these topics and surreal to know that that is attached to an actual physical <laughs> real-world book now as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for, you know, for, for getting things out there from myself and from my co-author, Scott, as well.